I would prefer it with an English accent. <laughs> Hello, bitches. Keep on laughing. <laughs> And welcome to episode 62 of Comical Podcast. I am your host, Justin Corbett, and with me is Miguel Garza. AKA? AKA Lord Horsicles. AKA, <laughs> I'm, uh, I don't know. Who else am I today? <laughs> Told you I'm rebranding myself now. I'm being all serious now. Serious, please. All right. <laughs> no, <Sorry>. not really. <laughs> That's not going to last. Well, whatever Miguel's doing, I'm not sure about. But we also have a special guest today, Mr. Kel Simons. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, guys. How are you? Doing pretty well. It's great to have you back on the show. It's been about a, about a year, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess when uh, the Mercenary Sea came out last year. Yeah, and we've been reading it every single <laughs> time it's come out. Uh, we absolutely love it. I'm glad to hear it, and so so is uh, Matthew. Yeah, I can't say enough about it. I really, it's one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, uh, we're 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 working hard to get issue nine out there. Uh, you know, it just get kind of sucks that. Production is is what it is, and it's a, a lot slower than uh, I think either of us would like. But we want to make sure it's we're not rushing anything out to the stands, and we also want to make sure that you know we're not uh, soliciting any books that we just can't hit a, a target deadline on, which is kind of what we did on uh, two out of the last three books. But we'll be back, we promise. Awesome. Well, we'll talk more about that in just a second. First, I want to get into our uh, picks for the week. Okay. Uh, so what were your top two picks this week, Miguel? Uh, number two was Birthright number five. Uh, that is Josh Williamson and Andre Bresson. Yes. And you know me. It's wizards, demons, and devils. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, the older brother is out there fighting the that one person that came through the, what was he, a warlock? I forgot what he was. But He's some kind of wizard. He has power with the plants. Yeah. And so they get into that big battle, and pretty much the older brother's getting his butt kicked, and then the younger brother brings him the flame sword, and uh, then he kills the guy. And then the brother's like in shock. Actually, the dad gets hurt too. So, yeah, um, really good book. It, I thought it was pretty good. And then, of course, the shocker on the last page is like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Josh is a big fan of throwing those shockers in there. <laughs> I, I like the last page. I wasn't ready for that. It was really good. It, was, it didn't quite make my number two, but I did enjoy it. I Shame. Did. <laughs> what was your number one? Ah, uh, another Josh Williamson book. Is Josh Williamson party up in here today? Uh, Nail biter number ten. Yeah, Josh Williamson, of course, is the writer. <laughs> We're talking all about him today, I guess. That's right. <laughs> I'm glad Ghosted didn't come out today. And uh, Mike Henderson is the artist. Yeah. As you know, that book is just all about serial killers, and the guy drives the bus into the water with the kids because he doesn't want them to be like serial killers. And the cop and their friend, they jump in there and they save them. And, and then the messed up part happens with a little girl stabs the driver in the neck, and then they think it's okay, self defense, whatnot. But if you looked at her eyes and the whole picture, that's like, oh my gosh, he's going to be a killer. Yeah. <laughs> It was actually my number one, one book as well. Um, if you remember, we had Josh on the show not that long ago, and he was talking about that there is something in the water that's responsible for this. Didn't expect it to be an Aztec temple. I know, right? <laughs> I was like, whoa, why's it got to be the Mexicans? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, it. It probably wasn't the strongest issue of Nailbiter, but it was definitely the best book that came out this week. So what was your number two? Uh, my number two was actually Ant-Man number two from Nick Spencer and Ramon Rosanas. Huh. You know, Ant-Man moved to California to be with his daughter. That was Florida. He moved to San Francisco, right? No, thought it was Florida. Pretty sure he went to Florida. Okay, well, Ant Man. 
Scott, I'm, I'm going I'm to get you guys a globe. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Lang moved away to be with his daughter, wherever it might be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, his, his ex-wife is uh, putting restrictions on his visitation. She's saying you can't really be a part of her life unless you get a job, unless you make something of yourself. I'm not going to live. let her be around you if you're going to be a thief and do all the things you did before. So his solution to that is to put on the full Ant-Man gear, go to a bank, break into the security systems, open all the vaults, show them that he could steal all their money if he wanted to, and then say, well, Tony Stark was going to hire me to be his security guy, and I just proved I could break into all your stuff. Why don't you hire me instead? <laughs> That was pretty cool, yeah. And the other people didn't want nothing to do with him, but then the woman, you know, she was like, oh, yeah. Well, she, she must be an old agent of the S.H.I.E.L.D. or something, because uh, one of the vaults down below the bank had an old Nazi robot trapped inside <laughs> of it. That was funny. And, uh, you know, he was like, well, if you'll hire me, I'll go and I'll do something about it. But if not, I'm just going to let it go on a rampage. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, Nick Spencer is just a really humorous writer, and I, I really enjoy a lot of his stuff. And Ant-Man, uh, I've been enjoying so far. It's not a book I thought I would enjoy as much as I have, but uh, highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, it's a good book. I enjoy it. What was your pick of the week, then? Ah, my pick of the week is a new book. Uh, Cluster number one. That's also my pick of the week. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Stop copying me, man. Uh, That one is Ed Brisson and Damien Cusero, and it's about a prison planet. And it's kind of like the Suicide Squad taking place on a prison planet. Anybody that's sent there for whatever crime pretty much is a death sentence. But if they want to reduce their sentence to a 15-year period, they can agree to work for quote-unquote, the Suicide Squad. And they go out and they perform uh, tasks and they fight against these alien races that are trying to destroy the mining operations and the towers on that planet. And if they don't make it back to the home base within 24 hours, their heart explodes. They have a machine inside of them that will kill them, liquefy their organs. So you can see the similarities to Suicide Squad, but uh, you can also kind of see similarities to any prison planet movie you've ever <laughs> ever watched. Um, I really liked it. I did too. I thought it was pretty good. I, I can't wait for book number two. And the art's pretty spectacular. Oh, yeah. It was it was really good. I like the creatures. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Kel? Have you read anything this week that you really enjoyed? Oh, guys, I'm f- so far behind. I mean, I picked up uh, Saga 25, uh, but I haven't even cracked it yet today. It's kind of a filler issue. It progresses mm-hmm. the story a little bit, but there's one moment in there that's just, just like there always is. There's one moment that's just like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I love Saga. It's so great. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Like that shock and awe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, back to Kel. You know, you have a new book that just came out called Rain. Yeah, I heard you guys uh, seem to dig it. We love it, actually. It was our pick of the week last week, or the week it came out, rather. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then last week we had uh, Seek Donnelly on the show, and he was talking about it as the book he picked up and loved. I know you're friends Se- with Seek. Yeah, Seek's great. Uh, in fact, uh, Matthew Reynolds, the artist on uh, The Mercenary Sea, is doing a page for his uh, Soul Star book. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we. Uh, he talked about you, gave you a lot of glowing reviews. Oh, I, oh, I listened in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I, Miguel, I heard about your 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 brony addiction and uh, your love of violent comics. <laughs> and apparently, Justin's into the sex books. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, when you were, you first came on our show, you did kind of coin a term, Cal. I mean, uh, it, it, the keeping the sex and violence separate. You remember that? I, I, I do vaguely recall that, yes. <laughs> it became a running joke because that was one of the first episodes of, my, of the show that my father listened to. And for weeks, every time I talked to him, he's like, just remember, keep your sex and violence separate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? what? Sage words from your dad. Yeah, <laughs> or from anybody. <laughs> and like in rain, he kept the sex and violence separate. So Miguel's all about the violence, and I guess I'm all about the sex. <laughs> That's why this works. <laughs> well, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about rain? I mean, I know we've talked about it, but... Hearing it from the writer's mouth is always so much better than anything we could say. Yeah, um, you know, look, I uh, 
I, I was a huge fan of the fantasy realms of Dungeons and Dragons, of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And, you know, I'd actually just recently uh, started reading the Conan books. I mean, recently as in, a, you know, maybe two, three years ago. And, you know, just sort of, first of all, I was amazed at how timeless the writing was. Uh, I mean, seriously, uh, it, even though it was written in the 1930s, it looks like it, it could have been written, you know, sort of the the golden era of, of fantasy and science fiction in the 60s and 70s. Uh, it definitely has a very timeless quality. Anyway, uh, long story short, uh, I was just sort of jazzed about having read them and, you know, just the idea of a wandering swordsman in a fantasy realm started to appeal to me. And uh, I sat down, or I guess sat down is a, a relative term. I, I got on the computer with uh, Nate Stockman, who's my artist. And Nate and I met uh, on the sixth and final issue of my first book for Image, I Love Trouble. The artist that uh, I had originally co-created the book with was no longer available uh, for the last issue. So my colorist on that, Paul Little, who's also the colorist on, on Rain, introduced me to Nate, uh, who lives in Ireland. And, you know, he came on board. It was sort of a, I don't, I don't want to say thankless task, but it was definitely, it was a situation where we were already, you know, weeks behind on our production schedule, and he basically came in and jammed out an, an issue. But, you know, uh, he was definitely trying to ape the previous artist's uh, style, but you could tell that there was a lot of, you know, great talent there and, uh so I, you know, I told Eric Stevenson at Image, uh, you know, one of these days I'd love to do uh, a project with them. So, <clears throat> long story short, again, uh, we started talking about some ideas that we wanted to work together on. One of them was a sort of hard-boiled Lovecraftian tale, but it seems as though Fatal probably got to us, got to it before us. <laughs> so we we weren't even going to bother going down that road. And I mentioned the idea of just doing a sort of swords and sorcery realm, and he, he, he really responded to that. I think what he loved about that was world building and uh, creature design, which I, I think if you guys have obviously read the first issue, he's, uh, ha- he's had a lot of fun with. Oh, yeah. And his art style is, is really impressive. I mean, I've, I've talked so much the last year about how much I love Matt Reynolds' style. Uh, because it's so different than what anybody. Oh else yeah, is they're, doing. they're totally yeah yeah. I mean I mean Matt's stuff is is exceptionally unique. I think uh, it was uh, sadly polarizing to a lot of comic book readers. So, you know, some people would pick it up and go, "Yep, I don't like this at all." Not even bothering to get into the story. Not even bothering to to you know give it a chance. But fortunately, there are a lot more savvy uh, comic readers out there that that saw that he was doing something special with uh, the Mercenary Sea and have have uh, stuck stuck with us ever since. Guys like you, obviously. Those other people are missing out. <laughs> you know what? Yes, but uh, that's what trades are for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was going to say, uh, I really like Nate's artwork as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, he's not only is he just a great artist, he's exceptionally quick. Um, we actually, the whole team has been working together so well. Uh, Nate, uh, sorry, uh, Nate, Paul Little. And then Pat Brousseau, who's uh, our letterer and I've worked with on the previous couple of books. We're actually – we have five books completely colored, drawn, lettered in the can – uh, you know, we only came wow. out two weeks ago. That's awesome. So we've got the we've got the whole first sort of what I call a mini arc for for Rain uh, ready to go. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's nice to be ahead of uh, the curve on stuff like that. We actually just got done reading the second issue because you you have us on your early release list. Yeah, I slipped it to you guys today. So, so uh, 
you know the uh, the fight sequence in there uh, that Nate drew is just really really well done. Yeah, he's really enjoying that stuff. Uh, you know, and there's a that scene with the uh, the sort of weird antlers that he that and I apologize because I, I, I'm trying to describe something to your listeners, which they obviously aren't going to get to see for a couple of weeks. But uh, I <laughs> I saw the last Lord of the Rings movie, or sorry, the last Hobbit movie. And there's a scene with like a, a an elk or something with giant antlers mowing down guys. And I was like, oh damn it, we <laughs> people are gonna think we copied that. <laughs> I can kind of see that. But. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a fun book uh, to write. Uh, I know Nate is having a lot of fun drawing it. Uh, again, the idea of you know these sort of uh, fantastical realms is really just sort of like the 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 first step in an adventure story, you know. Uh, just getting to explore that sort of a landscape, whether it's a uh, you know, character you rolled up in Dungeons and Dragons or, you know, uh, a classic tale like uh, Lord of the Rings or Conan. There's just a lot of fun to be had there. Well, I like, as you know, I like demon movie books and witches and all that stuff and crazy stuff. But <laughs> but I'm also probably something I'm more into more than that is the war stuff mm-hmm. and the night stuff that the, the knights and the sorcerers. I love that stuff. This is like one of my all time loves. And so. Reading Rain is like I'm just I feel like I'm there and I really enjoy it. And again, Nate's art style is just amazing. Of course, the freaking spider bothered me at the beginning, but <laughs> but it's okay. Are, are you are you afraid of spiders? Yes, I have a phobia for spiders. <laughs> I have a really bad one. I mess with them all the time. It's great, <laughs> and so does my wife. <laughs> but I can't say enough. The book. I mean, yeah, like I said, we read issue two. Uh, we didn't want to discuss much about it, but I, the scene you're talking about was pretty funny. Um, I can't. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to uh, – there's a lot of fantasy stuff out there, as you guys well know. And, um, you know, we wanted to differentiate this from, from them as, as quickly as possible, you know, um, basically set our own tone and our own pace. So as you said, Miguel, you, you know, you sort of love this sort of chivalrous knights uh, idea, which I'm a fan of as well, but I wanted to kind of – turn that on its ear and have Rain, who's supposedly the last of this legendary order of, of warriors known as the Wardens, and yet he wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, he's, he's basically uh, driven by visions and, and voices in his head that set him on a, on a path of, uh, of a quest. And he'd much rather be, you know, uh, drinking beer in the tavern with a couple of wenches on each, on each arm. Well, you're only two issues in. I mean, one issue that most people have read, but two issues right. total. And I really just love the personality of him. I mean, he's such a smart ass mm-hmm. to everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, he's fun to write. I mean, believe me, that uh, you know that was part of what we wanted to do. That was sort of different. You know, we didn't want we didn't want him to be like an errant knight. Uh, we didn't want him out slaying dragons and rescuing damsels. Um, and I think also sort of what we're doing that's a little bit different than maybe some of the other fantasy uh, titles that are out there. Yes, it's this sort of medieval setting, but it's also got a very uh, Old West uh, vibe to it. You know, until that spider shows up in the first uh, action sequence, you know, you could be looking at Shane. Uh, yeah. You know, it looks like it's like a frontier farm family out in the middle of the plains. <clears throat> and... Um, you know, one of the things that is sort of our guiding principle was, you know, let's do this like a Western, uh, which, you know, a motif of a, of a great number of, you know, some of the better Western stories uh, is always uh, the guy who is this reluctant hero who doesn't want to do the right thing, but he has no choice but to do 
the right thing, but to take up arms against uh, the cattle baron or the oil baron or the rail baron or whatever you know uh, the villain of your story happens to be. And uh, when Nate and I were first talking about this, I said, let's think of this as the as though uh, you know what if Frank Frazetta painted spaghetti westerns? Uh, let's paint Rain like the Man with No Name in the Dollars trilogy. Uh, so that's been sort of a guiding principle, at least in terms of the character and the relationships. Uh, and certainly you'll see that f- for the first couple of issues, but things are going to change. Huh. Well, uh, all I can gonna, say is wow. <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're going to turn some stuff around. But, uh, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead. And you guys don't want spoilers. I don't want to give spoilers. Just keep reading. Things are going to get interesting, I think. Yeah. And, and for our listeners, you definitely got to go and pick it up because. It's such a fun story. I mean, the first issue was great. The second issue was even better than the first one. Um, you know, you have something to look forward to. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I, I, you know what? I, I always try to do uh, – um, you guys have read my previous stuff. Uh, I do what – I kind of write in a very slow burn style. Uh, I try not to shoehorn all the goodies in on one issue or the first issue. And I know that's kind of uh, antithetical to to comic books in general. I mean – you know, people want to know everything in the first issue. And I'm like, yeah, I don't do it that way. I, I you know, it's 22 pages. Um, you know, it's a small part of a larger story. You know, I, I hope we earn enough readers that, that they want to stick with us and, and uh, take the journey with us. Um, but, you know, we're going to unravel some good stuff, I think. Well, you're doing a good job. I mean, the way you write it, Kel, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. You don't have to give up the secrets. I mean, it's, it just flows so well. The story, it just you, I'm captured by every single thing. When you're turning the pages and you're reading, I look at every single – I mean, I wind up taking my time reading the book because it just grabs you, uh, mm-hmm. whether it be this rain or it would be Mercenary Sea. I'll agree I pay attention you. to every freaking thing that's out there. I'll agree <laughs> with that. We read so many books every single week. I mean, we read 25 to 35 books every Wednesday, and then we come home and record. Right. And it, yours is one of the books that every single time we get one, we take our time with it. Well, I appreciate that. I do the uh, same thing because it's just – there's so much – Good stuff that you don't want to miss anything. Well, it sounds like I'm doing doing things uh, doing things uh, right, so I hope that's true. <laughs> Seek says you are. Seek yeah. says you're the man. <laughs> he would know. Yeah, he would know. <laughs> so it's been a year now since we've talked to you. Yeah. And Mercenary C has been out and around. Mm-hmm. Um, has it reached the numbers you wanted? Has it? Uh, yeah, I mean, re- the real answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're. Uh, yeah, we have this uh, attrition, you know, from issue to issue. We lose about a thousand readers from issue to issue, which is disheartening. Um, but uh, you know, I think we're sort of we've we've stabilized at a certain number that it seems as though we can continue to publish. But uh, you know, throw into the mix that you know we're taking uh, several months off as we uh, build up the next uh, round of books. So you know, I can't promise that we're going to be around. Uh, for, you know, issues 12 through 35, which is sort of what we had planned out. Uh, I guess we're just going to have to see. Uh, I, I don't know where we are in terms of the first trade sales. I'll probably find that out in a couple of months. 
But, you know, I, I think it's a very, very competitive market out there. You guys just said, you know, you pick up 25 new books a, a, a week, and that's probably just putting a small dent into the number of books that are out there. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot of competition out there for, for, for good books. Uh, even with, uh, with Rain, I mean, we saw a dramatic decrease from issue one to issue two. So uh, Nate and I are just, uh, you know, fingers crossed that we're going to be able to find a readership uh, our, our numbers were stabilized, and we we're going to get get to to tell the rest of the story. We, you know, we pitched uh, the story to Image as uh, as an ongoing series, but with the uh, plan of you know we've got two five issue mini arcs, which will make up you know two vol- uh, trades of uh, two volumes of trades. So uh, we're hoping we get an opportunity to to play those a lot because I got to tell you, it's it's you know it's going to get fun. It's going to get uh, it's going to get interesting. I, I I hope it's the sort of thing that when people do see some of the stuff that we got going on, uh, they share it with their friends who will want to pick it up as well. Yeah, I think that's the thing about Rain. Um, there's a lot of sword and sorcery books out there right now. And people may just hear that it's a sword and sorcery book and go, eh, that's another one. I don't really need to get it. But I think it's so different that if they actually picked it up and read it, they would really enjoy it. I, I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, look, I think a lot of the swords and sorcery stuff that's out there, I mean, most of it seems to be licensed material. You know, there's Game of Thrones, there's Dungeons and Dragons, there's Lord of the Rings, there's Conan, Red Sonia. You know, there are obviously a couple of really uh, great titles like Rat Queens that um, uh, bring something new to the table. Um, and, you know, Nate and I debated as we were you know planning this whole story out it's like how much do we want to give away at the beginning to distinguish ourselves even more from um the fantasy genre and we decided you know what we're going to tell the story the way we feel it should be told and spool it out at a respectable um speed so um yeah we'll see if it pays off well, we <laughs> turns out we may be wrong but uh, oh, I think we're at least telling the story in the way that it should be told. Um, you know, and some of the reviews uh, have been, you know, just like you guys have said, have picked up on the, the nuances and the fact that this is not your normal fantasy uh, story. Whereas we've also had probably the same amount of reviews who have said, nope, this is full of uh, medieval tropes and, and fantasy trite and this is you know, not something you guys want to read. I'm like, okay, everyone's entitled to their opinion and we just got to try to make the best book we can and, and write something that we're satisfied with first. Man, some people are just straight up asses. <laughs> I tell you what, that's, Kel. That's it, a better way of saying it, Miguel. I was just trying to be nice. Uh, yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that what you just said to me about Mercenary Sea or Rain not making it to the point that you want really upsets me. So watch out for me tweeting. I will be tweeting <laughs> on your behalf, and I will make sure that people know they need to read this book because that's ridiculous. As far as I'm concerned, these are two great books. They need to run as long as they can go, and I can't tell you enough how much that you and Matt, Mercenary Sea, outstanding job. It needs to go on for as long as it can go. Uh, you and Nate with uh, Rain. More power to you. Uh, we will tweet whatever we got to do. Facebook, who knows? Maybe we can do another giveaway. There you go. Exactly. I think I just I just think I found my my press agent. <laughs> we got our boss reading it. As you know, you signed it for him. He loved oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, he loved it. You just wouldn't. He was so excited because he'd already bought one uh-huh. beforehand, and you got and Justin got him on signs. So he was like, "Wow." Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that too, Kel. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely did. My sixty-eight-year-old father. 
Reese Mercenary see now with me. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I think a lot of our audience is actually older, probably because we hearken back to, you know, sort of adventure serials that guys like Lucas and Spielberg obviously based uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark on. And, and there's another sort of uh, audience that I hadn't expected. I was at Comic-Con this last year. And a British gentleman came up to me and bought every book I brought with me, you know, had me sign everything. And he said, you are huge in the UK. I'm like, really? And he explained that, um, you know, comics of his generation, and he was probably in his 50s, um, you know, the comics in the UK, in Britain in particular, they didn't have superhero comics. They didn't have guys running around in uh, capes and tights. They had World War II adventure comics. And the Mercenary Sea, I guess, sort of tapped into a nostalgia for that, which we're very grateful for. We weren't even attempting that, but it's, you know, it's, it's nice to hear. That's pretty cool. I think, like yeah. I told you a while back when you first brought it out, that being prime military and being raised in a military household, that's why it appeals so much to me. And it just, mm-hmm. I just, I can't get enough. <laughs> no, I'm ex-military too. I don't know if we ever talked about that. I think you briefly mentioned it, but you didn't go yeah. into any detail. Yeah, yeah. I was in the Army 25 years ago. Man, that seems like a long time. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> but I still, I still thoroughly enjoy Mercenary Sea. <laughs> my, uh, my oldest boy is actually in Marine Boot Camp right now. Really? Wow. Congratulations. I got a first letter from him saying, you know, it's kind of rough. It's kind of tough. <laughs> it's really a wake-up call. And I tried to tell him. Uh, he, was, he was all you like... Didn't, you didn't show him Full Metal Jacket? I should have shown him Full Metal Jacket. He's seen it before. I tried to tell him, Kel. <laughs> I said, look, because he was doing all his exercise, all his running with his recruiter and getting in shape. I mean, he was in shape. He was ready to go. He was push-ups, you, you know, you sit-ups be, and whatnot, can, but still. You try to be in shape, you're never going to be in that kind of shape. Exactly. And I told him, I said, you have no idea what's coming. Yeah. Just keep your head up, keep going, stay out of trouble. Oh, no, I still, I still remember, you know, arms shaking from, you know, muscle strain. <laughs> so, Sounds yeah, fun. It, it never goes away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Justin, you really missed out here. <laughs> My daughter goes, Dad, I haven't got a letter from him yet. Let me tell you something, daughter. He's probably sleeping <laughs> any chance he gets. Because after getting rolled in the dirt, getting rolled in the mud, march, run this, do that, do this, there's no rest. Yeah. Rest? He rests when you're dead. <laughs> well, he can rest when he gets to his duty station, at least. Exactly, which is a good while away. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So you said you were at Comic-Con. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we asked you this before. Are you ever going to make it down here to Houston? You asked him exactly uh, that last time. I don't know. I mean, I still uh, want him to come to Houston. I'll bring every book I have and have him sign every single one of them. <laughs> you know, my my footprint in the comic industry is still so small that you know it just isn't financially feasible to, to go to all these great cons. And believe me, you guys aren't the only ones who invited us to. You know, we've been invited to cons all all across the states, and I would love to be able to go to all of them. Uh, it's just you know at the moment not financially feasible, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that as I keep coming out with more and more books that uh, that footprint gets bigger and deeper. And, and you know, I, I know that when I show up, I'm not going to have six guys show up, which <laughs> has happened. You know, like I go to a lot of the local cons here in the Los Angeles area and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just sitting here while, you know, dudes just walk by and have no idea who I am. But, yeah, look, I, I would love to. Believe me. That's insane. That you had, Like you said, you have a tiny foot in the yeah. industry. I mean – uh, just shocks me. And well, look, I mean, you know, if my name isn't Grant Morrison, uh, or you know, or you know, somewhat of that stature, you know, you're largely unrecognized, unfortunately. Uh, you know, the, the the big comics, the big names are still the draw, and that's possibly the way it should be to some extent. 
I mean, you know, that's what generates uh, the majority of book sales. I think that's changing a little bit now, though. I think Image uh, is kind of... I, I, I certainly hope so, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, Image is, uh, you know, putting a lot of more unknowns into the field. But, you know, look, they, you know, they still have some pretty big names on their, on their roster. That's true. Uh, and rightly so. And, and it's because the big names are attracted to the wonderful working environment that is Image Comics. Uh, you know, you have the ability to create whatever you want, pretty much. And, uh, you know, there's no interference. There's no corporate mindset at work. And um, you get to own the fruits of your labor, which is not something you get from the, the bigger publishers. Sounds like the place to be. It definitely <laughs> is. Your one-stop shop for comics. <laughs> I know, right? Oh. Yeah. Half of those 35 books are from Image. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably even more. Yeah. Well, you know what, Justin? I think it's time for you to tell us a tragic story. Oh, wait a minute. A funny story. Because <laughs> I'm the one with all the tragic stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, this week's kind of rough. I had trouble thinking of one, but I decided I'm going to tell a story about my sister. Really? You didn't have no uh, comical podcast uh, Hunger Games there like I did? No, I don't have weird dreams about you being shirtless. <laughs> I told you, you got in a battle, you lost the shirt. <laughs> You're not in my dreams ever, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Wait till you get sick like I did and, and take all that medicine I took. You start seeing things, man. Well, I could have wrote a comic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to tell a story about my sister, which I haven't done yet. I told the one about my youngest sister and the clam mm-hmm. last time. This is a story about my middle sister. Okay. Um, and this was when I was probably 14. I was probably 13, actually, and she was 11. So we didn't have pets growing up. When I was first born, I lived at my parents' house. You know, we had a, a dog until I was about three years old, and then he ran away and got hit by a car, and then we never got a pet again because it was too traumatic. What is this, nationwide? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Hashtag he died? Well, I mean, I, I was a kid, so I barely remembered. I just saw pictures of the dog when I got older and, and then found out about it. My parents are not cat people, so we didn't really have pets. And, you know, we had a pool in our backyard, so we didn't really even have a place for a pet if we had a dog or anything. So when my sister was about 11 years old, she stumbled across a black Labrador retriever, and it followed her home. So she, on her own, built it a little bed out of towels and stuff behind our bushes, and then stuck a bunch of food out of the, the pantry and was feeding it to the dog. And then every day she went to school and she would get her school lunch and not eat it, and she would bring it home and feed it to the dog. And she did this for about two weeks. And my mom was like, where the hell is all of our food going? (laughs) (laughs) And nobody was aware this dog was there because we had tall bushes in the front yard. I mean, they were like four feet tall, five feet tall. And this dog was just living behind them. And he never came out. He was actually a really well-behaved dog. Uh, And my sister was taking care of him, feeding him. He was happy as could be. Had a place to sleep. (laughs) Whatever. So my mom found out about it eventually, obviously. And my sisters and I ganged up on her and begged her to let us keep the dog. And she said, okay. So then he could come out of the shadows, come out of the bushes. And, uh, you know, we, we had him on a, a leash in the front yard. I mean, we had like one of those big chain things you plug into the ground. Mm-hmm. So he had about a 30-foot radius he could move around on and sleep and whatever. He could go back in the bushes, which were shaded if it got too hot. Or we put him in the garage if it got too cold or whatever. And he was a really, really good dog. Um, and we take him on walks. I know this is kind of a long story but I got to set it up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So whenever we took him on walks, uh, we were all really big into roller hockey and, and roller blading. So my sister would constantly take him on walks where she was riding her roller skates or her roller blades. 
and he would just drag her along and she'd follow him. Well, one day he got away from her and you know, we went all over the whole neighborhood trying to find him, finally got him, got him brought back to the house. And my mom was like, you cannot go walking on the rollerblades again because you can't hold on to him. If he pulls you the wrong way, he'll get away. Don't do that. So the next time she was supposed to take him out, she did it again anyways. And she took him this back way, which our neighborhood uh, was, was divided up in different blocks. And then there was this forest on one side of it that like it backed up to. And then a farmland area that, on the other side of it. And there was this pathway that went by the farmland to get around to the, the front part of the neighborhood. Uh, I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but she tried to rollerblade through the little pathway. And the dog got away from her, just like it had before. I was at home with my mom. We were cooking dinner or something. I don't know. And uh, she came running in the house crying, just screaming. And we were like, what's, what's wrong? What happened? What happened? And she was like, they, they, they killed him. They're, they're killing him. And we were like, what? Who, who, who's killing who? What are you talking about? She's like, they're, they're killing the dog. They're killing him. Who's killing the dog? What's going on? The pigs. The pigs are killing Muggsy. <laughs> And we were like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? Pigs. There's no pigs in this area. And she's like, no, there was giant pigs. They killed the dog. And we were like, oh my God. Okay. So we figured she had gone by the farmland and there might've been some pigs out there, but we have never seen them before. Some boars. Some boars, right? Okay. So we get in the car and we start driving down the road and we make it probably a block. He comes running out of there and he's just trotting along happy as can be, dragging his leash behind him. Nothing wrong with him at all. And my sister's just still in tears. So we get him and we put him in the car and he's just happy. He's jumping around, looking at everybody, whatever. Take him back home. And we all think my sister's a liar. <laughs> we all think she made it up. Yeah. Nobody believes what she said or what she th- thought she saw uh, until about two weeks later when uh, it got cold outside. So my mm-hmm. mom put him inside the garage and just kind of cracked the, the garage door a little bit. And she heard this commotion. and She came running outside to see what it was. And there was sure enough three like four foot tall boars throwing themselves into the garage trying to get to the dog. They were actually trying to attack him. Wow. So my sister was telling the truth. Man. And my mom had to call animal control to come in and take him away. But uh, she, she kind of held that over us for years that we didn't <laughs> believe her when she said the pigs were killing Muggsy. Why don't you just go out there and attack the pigs? I wasn't at home. Oh. Were you big enough? Could you take them? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> you probably would have lost your shirt. Did you guys have ham that Christmas? No. No. Animal control came and got him and... They were never a problem again. See, you're just not country enough. So no. I'd have been out there with a knife this and was, a fork. This was, this was suburbia. This was suburbia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, what about you, Cal? Do you have one for us? Uh, you know, I had to sit there and rack my brain to come up with something. I think I might have uh, a pretty good story. But, uh, this is a story I've, I've shared with friends over the years. In fact, uh, one of my friends who's on Market Watch on NPR recently um, related it in some online magazine. But uh, it takes place in Los Angeles, which is where I live. And uh, I moved out here about 20 years ago to go to the American Film Institute. And a group of my uh, buddies from school went out to the movies one night to the Man Chinese Theater, which is on Hollywood Boulevard. And you guys probably know about it. It's the one with all the footprints in uh, cement out in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's one of the more popular tourist attractions. Uh, so we had gone to go see like a late night showing of Contact, the Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey uh, movie. Yeah. So this right, must have been, right. this has got to be like 1997. Uh, so we check out the movie. <clears throat> Let's out. It must be about 
it's close to like 2 a.m. We're sitting out, standing out in front of the theater chatting, you know, and of course we're surrounded by all these footprints and handprints of, of famous actors dating, you know, back to the 20s and 30s. So we're talking and this guy comes around from the back and, you know, he's hauling a couple of trash bags. And at first I thought, well, maybe he's uh, one of the guys that works here, but no, it, it you know, quickly realized he's probably homeless, indigent, and, you know, you're, 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 you get uh, immune to seeing homeless people on the streets or panhandlers, people begging for money. And, of course, you know, first of all, I'm a student. I didn't have a lot of money to begin with. And uh, the dude, for whatever reason, just kind of zeroes in on me and starts coming over towards me. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> you know, I got to, like, I got to, like, turn this guy down. And, you know, you, you just you feel like a heel, but, you know. Uh, I, I'm not giving him the you know seven bucks I have in my pocket. <laughs> uh, I, I got to put gas in the car, and I probably have to eat tomorrow. So, uh, dude walks up to me, <clears throat> and he puts his hand out, you know, his palm out flat in front of him, and I'm like, oh, he wants to high five me. And so I raise my hand like I'm gonna high five him. Of course, I don't want to be have anything to do with this guy. And he's like, no, no. He's like, I got a gift for God, and I'm like, uh huh. And he grabs onto my hand. And puts my hand flat up against his hand. And he holds it there for a second. And then he looks at me and he says, Henry Fonda. And I'm like, what? And he's like, Henry Fonda. And he even does a, uh, an impersonation of Henry Fonda from On Golden Pond, if you remember something about the strawberries. So he grabs me and he pulls me over to Henry Fonda's handprints. Not only that, he knows... I mean, he just, he zeroed in on Henry Fonda's uh, handprints. He knew exactly where it was in the entire, you know, there must be uh, 200 handprints uh, sitting out in front of there. So, you know, it's like a, a, it's like a maze of all these impressions in cement. But he knows exactly where Henry Fonda's uh, prints are. And he looks at me and he goes, go ahead. So, you know, he wants me to put my handprints in, in Henry Fonda's prints. I get down, put my hand in there, and God damn it, if it doesn't fit like a glove. I mean, it's spooky. And my friends are all looking at me, and they can tell by the look on my face something amazing has just happened. So I'm like, guys, you got to try this. And the, the guy goes through all of my friends and does the same thing. He puts his hands up against them, and he just knows by the size of his hand versus the size of their hands who they would fit. And he's like, Steve McQueen, Peter Sellers, uh, Frank Sinatra, and he pulls all of my friends individually to these various prints and you know you just watch them as their eyes light up and like my god this fits perfectly so anyway we ended up giving him whatever money we had in our pockets because that was by far the best panhandling experience i have ever uh had in los angeles and uh so you know sadly i'd gone back years later never saw him again uh have no idea what he's up to but that was just an amazing thing that i'd seen hmm, that's pretty cool we don't, we don't really have amazing panhandlers here. I mean, I saw one that was really good in Austin. Uh, there's a bum that had a sign, we'll piss on car behind you for $5. <laughs> and then when he went back there, he would flip it over and he said, won't piss on your car, we'll piss on the car in front of you for $10. <laughs> That's pretty good. We just have, we have guys that have signs that say, why lie, I want a beer. Yeah, uh, there, there was one guy that said, I needed money for a ray gun to defend myself against the aliens that were coming. Did you give that guy a, a dollar too? Because it was like a really cool sign. Uh, I think I did because uh, it was like glittery and, and he put a lot of effort into that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't like the guy with the dog by where we work at? The guy sits out there with the dog 
What, with the no legs? No, no, the dog's got legs. Oh. What do you mean the dog no, has no, no meant, legs? I, I thought you meant the, the vet that had no legs. Like, I feel bad for that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy's pretty cool. The guy about McDonald's? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give him a burger or whatever when I get a chance to. Yeah. I feel bad for that guy. What, what about the, the one time I drove by uh, the Shell station by our work, and there was just a girl in a bikini out there holding a sign that <laughs> she needed money? <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I was like, well, you know, that's a strategy. <laughs> Did you give her money? No, I was on the other side of the road. <laughs> no, we just get those ones that come out there and like try to hand you a little slip that says, uh, God loves you or whatever it is. And uh, they'll give you a bag of M&Ms too. I'm like, uh, no, thank you. Or they want to <laughs> give you a quarter and they want to preach to you or something like, uh, no. <laughs> Especially the one dude that when I was on the phone, I think I was on the phone with, that wasn't you. I was at the light and I think my father called me. And so I took the call, and I'm waiting, and the skylight comes up to my window, and I'm like, wave him off, and it's just like persistent. I think he even knocked on my window, and you know, that's it. That was, that's it for me. <laughs> and of course, you know, the window came down, and I just went off. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I, I don't get, some of those people, I just, they just, I don't know, they just need I'll, to go I'll, away. I'll give money to them if they're creative, or if uh, they generally look like they're in bad shape, like the guy with no legs. But in general, No. I mean, most of them are just out to, to scam people. and yeah, They're all suspect, the ones out there by us. Because <laughs> yeah. they look pretty shady and pretty crappy. Wound up like that guy was getting money, and then they followed him, and he jumped in his Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> Get a lot of that stuff in Texas. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, those weren't, like, the funniest stories ever, but they were interesting stories, I thought. I liked Kel's story. I liked Kel's story. It was interesting. Your dog well, story thanks, was guys. terrifying. <laughs> it the dog funny. is getting killed. <laughs> it wasn't funny at all. <laughs> you made me feel like I was in the Nationwide commercial. I thought you were going to tell me the horses broke out the stable and they went to save the dog. <laughs> no. No Budweiser commercial here? No. Okay. <laughs> Kel, did you see all the, the Super Bowl commercials? Uh, I didn't see all of them. Um, I went out and we, you know, threw the ball around after Katy Perry, and so I missed some of the some of the commercials. But, yeah, you know, generally I thought they were okay, but there was a – a theme of depressing commercials about like the kid who died. Yeah. Yeah. I remember looking at my, I'm just like, geez. Yeah. I know. I looked at my son. I was like, Oh my God, I'm depressed now. What is going on? Better not be trying to sell me a beer or a Hyundai now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We kind of like the Brady Bunch one. Yeah. The Brady Bunch one was the funniest. Brady one, Bunch one was cute. The one where God couldn't get connection connectivity. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, but you know what? I, I mostly in the commercials, I think I was getting up and, and, refilling uh, a glass or something you were lucky it's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> well let's let's move on to a bit of uh, comics movie and tv news what you got for me man uh actually i'm gonna give a quick shout out to eric lopez okay he helped us out with this today the uh, looker i was super swamped at work and i didn't have time to go through and pull all my news stories like i normally do so he compiled them into an email for me okay appreciate that eric nice um so let's see what he sent to us we so, don't give shout outs to minions come on <laughs> <laughs> they help us out, we do, for okay. sure. Okay, all right, fine. All right, so uh, first thing he sent me was Superman 38. Apparently, Superman is getting a new costume again, and he's uh, developing a new power, which is called the Super Flare. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, it doesn't really explain what that power is, but it looks like he can shoot the heat beams out of his entire body instead of just his eyes. That's weird. Yeah. Flame on! <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I don't read Superman. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge Superman fan either. But When Superman Unchained started, it started off pretty well, and then it got stupid, and mm-hmm. I dropped it. I'm like, okay, I'm not reading this anymore. Uh, I, I, you read one Superman book, you read them all. <laughs> Doomsday yeah. shows up, I'll read it, and I'll be happy. I don't know if that's true. All-Star Superman's pretty damn amazing, but there, there are some that are... You still picking it up? 
Well, it was just a 10-issue mini. Oh, okay. It was really good, though. Well, if it was, it would have kept on going, don't you think? It was intended as a mini. Oh, I hate those things. <laughs> <laughs> I hate minis. <laughs> All right, so the next thing. Apparently, Brian Michael Bendis is leaving the X-Men series. Hmm. I mean, he's been writing it for quite a while, uh, but he's sticking with Marvel, so he signed a contract with them. Uh, he's supposed to be doing Uncanny X-Men number 600, and that'll be his last book on an X title. Okay. What's he going to do now? I'm not sure. Whatever Marvel wants him to do, I imagine. Hmm. I don't think that the people that work for Marvel have as much control over what books they get put on. They kind of just get told, you're doing this or you're doing that. I'll bet Brian has a little sway. <laughs> I'm going to say, If yeah. anybody does, it's probably him. But I'm, I'm sure they'll kind of say, well, we had this in mind for you. And I'm sure it's going to be a big book since he was on X-Men. I'm sure he's going to be Avengers or something. Yeah, we read a lot of X-Men books. I mean, you buy a lot of the X-Men books. I mean, how do you feel about that? I'm fine. I like Bendis. I mean, I'm are you sad he's not going to be doing it anymore? No. I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, I would love to see Claremont write X-Men again, honestly. I mean, he's doing amazing X-Men, and I've, I've liked that. He's done Nightcrawler, which I actually really thought the Nightcrawler series was good. I mean, it'd be a throwback to the 90s to get Claremont in there again, but I think he could definitely handle it. Yeah. Once all this time travel and jumping around dimension stuff is over. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Get it back to the classic feel. Okay. Did you see the uh, Adam suit? Yes, I did. I thought it was kind of cool. Do you watch uh, Arrow or Flash, Kill? Uh, I've seen both, uh, but I don't watch them on a regular basis. I've been watching Agent Carter. <laughs> Me too. I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, I worked with uh, one of the women who's a writer on the show. Oh, cool. Uh, so uh, I, I felt, felt compelled to watch it, but honestly, I mean, I, I was really digging it. I didn't see, uh, I guess it was last night's episode yet, so no spoilers, please. I haven't seen it yet either, so I'm planning on watching that tomorrow. I'm still trying to catch up. I have them all. <laughs> I haven't seen them yet. So it's, it's been surprisingly good. I had kind of low expectations for it because, you know, it takes place in the past. And, you know, it was before S.H.I.E.L.D. and it was before all the other stuff. So I didn't really know what the story was going to be like. Are the Howling Commandos in it? They showed yeah, up in well, one they, episode. They show up apparently in last night's episode. Actually. Oh, sweet. Okay. But, uh, what I like about it is that uh, it is this sort of interesting perspective on, you know, how women were treated after World War II ended and all the men came home from war. You know, they had been doing, you know, quote unquote, men's jobs during, uh, you know, during the four years, four and a half years we were at war. And uh, now they come home and they're, you know, sort of expected to go back into the kitchen and put on the apron and and cook dinner when they were like, well, no, we were doing actually important jobs and we don't feel like we need to get uh, shut back into the kitchen and and put back into pre-world pre-war uh mentality and you know so agent carter has to sort of deal with the fact that she was kind of a kick-ass agent during the war but now now that the men are back they're going to take over uh that part of it and she's relegated to answering the phones well she's gonna let them she's gonna let them think i mean of course she's not she's not doing that at all but (laughs) you know that's interesting point you bring up i you know having both grandparents and fought in the war and they came back and everything else I never stopped to think about that, you know, because you know all the rose ribbit stuff, and everything. it never mm-hmm. dawned on me. It never did. Yeah, no, I mean it was. I mean, I, I'm. It led to obviously the you know feminist movement of the what eventually became the feminist movement in the '60s, um, and, and uh, you know the equal rights uh, uh, movements as well. So yeah, it's it's an interesting slice of history that they are working into the Marvel universe, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I had, like I said, I had kind of low expectations, but they were just just destroyed. Like, I love it. It's such a good series. You know, it's it's Alias set in 1946, basically. Yeah. And I like the actress who's playing Car- Agent Carter. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but Arrow and uh, Flash, because that's where <laughs> that's where we were at. Uh, the Atom suit is apparently scheduled to appear on episode fifteen of Arrow and episode eighteen of Flash. So, and then eventually, I think Brandon Ruth's going to get his own spinoff. <clears throat> oh, nice! Building up to the Justice League thing. So. Okay, kind of excited to see that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, I like his character on Arrow. Uh, you know, I love Arrow. <laughs> I love Flash too. I, I really do enjoy the shows. I, so I'm, I'm ex- I like Brandon Ruth. I don't mind. He's kind of funny on the show. He's an idiot. <laughs> But uh, he's a decent guy. I didn't have a problem when he played Superman. Uh, everybody, you know, Superman wasn't great. But that was the script, not him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I have no problem with him. Uh, you know. I, li- I liked him in Scott Pilgrim. Yes. <laughs> Actually, some news I did see today that's not on this list that, he's, that uh, Eric sent me. Uh, Ryan Reynolds was talking about the Green Lantern movie and how you know, everybody trashes him and they don't want him to play any more superhero characters because of how bad that movie was. But he came out and said that he never even read the script before he signed on to do it. People were, you know, fighting for that role and it was the opportunity to be a main character in a superhero movie and the director just liked him. So he got the job, but that was before he ever saw a script. And then once he saw the script, he was just kind of forced into doing it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that happens. <laughs> yeah, that movie could have been really good if they did it right. Yeah. But, but he's Deadpool, dude. That That's plain and simple. He's Deadpool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to him and Deadpool. That well, as long be. as it's the, Deadpool of the comics, yes. and not of the uh, X Men Origins movie, oh. or uh, whatever Wolverine movie, uh, which was god awful. One year later, and it's still being brought up. <laughs> I have such. No, no, I'm talking about the movie. other one. I'm talking about the first one. Oh yeah, oh yeah, too. I, I, I despise <laughs> that movie. Yeah, I almost no, walked out of the theater. Well, I mean, when those actually, swords the, came out the, of his arms. the recent one wasn't as bad. I, I, you know, I kind of enjoyed it. Oh, the but, Silver Samurai uh, one. Yeah, the Silver Samurai one. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, when you compare it to the first one, it's fucking Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect way to put it. <laughs> Just say it, man. You know, you know you've had enough of Hugh Jackman. You can't take him anymore. <laughs> You're like, Hugh Jackman this, Hugh Jackman that. I love Hugh Jackman. You- Hugh Jackman's fine. <laughs> I, mean, I'm, I've, I think he's great. Come I got on, tired he's... of Wolverine in the comics, and they killed him off, so it's been kind of nice, except... He's coming back. He's coming back. You know he's coming back, so... <laughs> Um, okay, so speaking of, about the Super Bowl, because you were talking about that before, I don't know if you heard about the uh, bet that Chris, Chris Evans and Chris Pratt made. I know they made a bet, but I don't know what it I was. Kn- yeah, I knew about it, too. Okay, so I guess Evans was a Patriots fan and Pratt was a Seahawks fan, and you know they both said their team was going to win, and whichever team lost, the other person had to go and perform as their main character, Star-Lord or Captain America, for a children's hospital of the other person's choice. Uh, so... I guess Pratt lost, so he's dressing up like Star-Lord and going to a children's hospital in New England. Uh, But there was all kinds of uh, funny videos online of the two of them at the Super Bowl running around and photobombing people. Oh, yeah, I saw this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to have to watch this video later. It sounds like it is pretty funny. I saw a couple pictures when I was scrolling through the news sites, but uh, that looks pretty good. Captain America and Star-Lord, come on. (laughs) I know you love Star-Lord, so... (laughs) <laughs> and then the very last thing is the thing that we were talking about earlier today. Uh, the guy who had his nose cut off so he could look more like the Red Skull. <laughs> Dude, what the hell is wrong with people? <laughs> Have you seen that picture, Kel? I haven't seen the picture, but I did see the headline. And I decided I didn't need to see the picture. He doesn't even look like Red Skull. Like he's, In the interview, he says that Red Skull is like one of his favorite characters. So he wanted to have his pigment changed and have his nose cut off and try to yeah. look like Red Skull. But honestly, he looks like a Klingon. He looks well, like... I- <laughs> I, I think what I think whatever doctor performed the surgery might need to have his license uh, re- revoked. Well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go get some rocks glued onto me so I can be Ben Grimm. 
I think thing. you can pull that off. Yeah. No. <laughs> is, that, is that your new persona, the thing? The thing? No. <laughs> in, enjoy your new infections. <laughs> well, that's it for the news. Man, wasn't a lot of news. There wasn't a lot this week, no. But that's okay. We have some news. Okay. Uh, we have been picked up by the nerdbong.com network. Oh, I thought you said we were going to get sued or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you want to listen to us, we are available at nerdbong.com, along with the Baked English Pod, the Pokeballs Podcast, a ton of other ones, including our good friends, the Comic Syndicate. Those guys are nuts. <laughs> uh, so that's one more place you can find us. You didn't say it right. It's the Baked English Pod. <laughs> well, uh, accents are not my strong suit. <laughs> mm. You were Australian not too long ago. That took a lot of prep time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Also, today we found out that we got picked up by Wicked Radio as well. We're going to be on the radio? We're going to be on WickedRadioNetwork.com. Oh, yeah. Which uh, does a live streaming radio thing. So pretty soon I'll be able to give you guys more info about that. We just found out about it today. So uh, check us out. Go check out some of the other shows they have. Uh, There's a lot of uh, good podcasts on that network. See, there you go, Kelsey. When I start spieling off about Mercenary Sea and Rain, I got a lot more people to listen to me now. Awesome, awesome. Just (laughs) don't pair it up with some depressing dog stories. (laughs) I just want to remind everybody, uh, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher, and mm-hmm. we're trying to get reviews. So if you go out there and subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate that. If you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, we're at facebook.com slash comicalpodcast. On Twitter, I'm at comicalpodcast. I'm a comical podcast too. And if you want to find Kel, you can find him at... At Kel Simons. And that's pretty much it. I thought he was going to say Comical Podcast 4. <laughs> I am now one of your new clones. That's awesome. right. Awesome. <laughs> we would be honored if you were one of our clones. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Kel. It's great to talk to you again. And Thanks, I wish you guys. lots of success with Rain and hopefully Mercenary Sea sales pick up because we don't want to see that book end. You and me both, brother. Uh, like I said, I'm going to go on a rampage, on a Twitter rampage, <laughs> on everything. And uh, with all of our guests, we offer them the opportunity to close out the show. So would you like to close out the show, Kel? Oh, you put me on the spot like this? Guys, thank you very much, and thanks for listening to Comical Podcast. This is Kel Simons. I'll see you guys next time. Oh, you got to say the tagline, man. You got you to gotta give me a script if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Keep on laughing, bitches. Oh, wait, I should do it in a different reading. Keep on laughing, bitches. Perfect.